Hi, you're listening to the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that exclusively brings insights from the Indian space activities ecosystem. I'm your host Narayan, the co-founder of India's first space-focused think tank, Spaceport Sarabhai. Guests on the New Space India podcast help you understand space activities related macro and micro trends within India in all aspects including space history, local industry, space science, technology evolution, law and policy, art and more. The New Space India podcast is supported by Dassault Systems, a global leader in providing businesses and people with collaborative virtual environments to enable sustainable innovations. Dassault Systems Solutions supports startups, small and medium scale enterprises and original equipment manufacturers in developing disruptive solutions for space launchers and satellites. Hi and welcome to yet another episode of the New Space India podcast. Today we have a very interesting filmmaker, Thorsten Hofmann, who is a German Australian filmmaker. and is doing a documentary series or documentary on space out of all the things which is very interesting because i just read the blurb on this and it's talking about how a trillion dollar space economy is being built torsen has a background as a producer and he's done productions in cryptopia and blockchain technology and so on torsen firstly welcome to the show i saw your background and so on what is your interest in space and why do this space related documentary yeah thanks first for having me and i try to be early on in new technologies and the industries that form around them and uh, like with bitcoin in 2014 or the whole blockchain space and uh, that was i think produced in 2018 19 i wanted to cover those emerging like almost movements right so it's the technologies the people and the person behind it but also the whole movement and the philosophies behind it and uh, space certainly has been taking off literally like even today with SpaceX and the last couple of years with the first astronauts going back up it has been on my radar for a while but then once i start digging a little bit deeper i started to realize that actually most people just know about blue origin and spacex and elon and things like that but not about the entire whole cohort of rocket companies satellite companies and other things happening so that's when i knew oh okay this is more complex this is a bigger topic it's maybe a topic for a documentary and yeah people have been really liking it so if we've been taking it to netflix and amazon and like some of the broadcasters and there seems to be a lot of interest for it the space industry has gone through several generations of interest starting from i would say the peak of this interest as everyone knows is perhaps the apollo era right where people were stuck to their television and watching these moon landings and and i guess after the shuttle program there's been a quite a big lull for 20 years or so until spacex comes along and has all of this reusable launch vehicles that are going up and down and billionaires are funding space and so on so there's these waves of interest that are in space in my opinion that has come through so from your perspective as a filmmaker how do you see this you mentioned briefly about blue origin and so on but as a filmmaker entering the sector do you see this you mentioned the word renaissance in your uh, in your title as well so w- what do you see from your perspective of this cultural change that it has been occurring in the sector 
Yeah. Wow, there's so much in this question. So let me first maybe address the hype cycle thing that you just mentioned. And you're 100% right about Apollo. If you look at China, right, China has had their big Apollo moment only, I don't know, five years ago, in the last 10 years, definitely. So it's maybe not a global history that's aligned there. And similarly with other technologies, AI, right, probably has had five or six hype cycles where people say, oh, machines are almost as intelligent as humans now. And that has come and gone. But with space, in the last, let's say, three years, there's just been so many more rocket launches, so many more satellites out there. And then also we talk about the old space companies. They've been around for a while. Like we we have Viasat in in the film, for example. They've been stock market listed, I think, since the 80s or something like that. So there has old companies. But suddenly you have all these new hotshots, mostly American, but international companies as well. They are stock market listed, they get venture capital, there's less billions of dollars flowing into that ecosystem. So for me, it was relatively clear when I looked at the charts, let's say, venture capital deployed, number of satellites, number of rocket launches, and also the taking over of private businesses taking over from government initiatives. So I think those would be the three things to, to look out for. Which is very interesting, again, because you touched upon talking to almost different Groups of people that include representatives of politicians in the State Department or the White House and so on, or also the UN. I saw that you've also interviewed a bunch of people with startups, as you said, bigger companies, nonprofits, investors, all kinds of people at the end. How do you see that as a filmmaker? Was your narrative to making this about giving a holistic approach? That's what I see because you've talked to almost all of them. But then when, we were, when you were planning all of this, what was the story that you wanted to tell to, the audi- to your audience? Yeah, there is this thing in the media industry where filmmakers get commissioned, it's called, or like basically hired by, let's say, Netflix or let's say a TV channel to make a documentary. Let's say, okay, let's make a documentary about Elon Musk. And then they basically tell you what to shoot and how to tell that story. But I'm a little bit different. I'm like a businessman, a filmmaker. So I I take my own money with a few partners and basically tell the stories that that I want to tell. And when I started... I couldn't tell to to like broadcasters and streamers, oh, this is the film I'm going to make because I don't know yet. I'm just at the beginning of my journey, right? And I'm reading 50 books and I'm having hundreds and hundreds of conversations and we have 80 interviews so far. And that informs what the story is. So in, in a way, it's flipped. Usually it's the other way around, right? Maybe similar to book authors. They need to pitch, okay, this is what I'm going to write about. Either they get the deal with the publisher or they don't get the deal. But I'm in a lucky position. I can basically film for a year and then start to structure and shape the story. And maybe one of the things that I learned is as I came in, I thought, oh, it's old space versus new space. It's government versus private. That's easy. It's an easy narrative. It's a nice little dramatic thing. But actually, I learned with all my conversations, that's not the case. It's way more complex. They work hand in hand. One doesn't work without the other. Yeah, and I try to, thank you for saying that, I try to cover the entire landscape. So not only the entrepreneurs, not only the money man, not only the politicians, but all of them. Yeah. But I also wanted to ask you why the title Fortitude? It's a very interesting title because the word means a lot. Uh, to a large extent, but it'll be interesting to know why you came up with that name. Yeah, it's, it has many me- meanings and reasons. One, one, of, one of my producers recently said, oh my God, 42, that's like the number 42 with a D, which is actually on the poster that astronaut has a 42D. So 42, 42. And then he realized 42 is all from, sorry, the number 42 is famous science fiction, uh, a novel, a galaxy guide to the universe where 42 is basically the answer of everything, right? The universe, the big question of the universe, the answer is 42. So that, that might be one of the reasons, but there's a couple others as well. Yeah, I love that name. And when you started planning the whole thing, 
what was the approach as in you picked some of these individuals and you picked some of these stories to say and why these individuals and why these stories yeah i reached out to let's say maybe 10 different companies and groups and then some opened the door some were maybe not so interested and then i go from there right so for example we started filming at a conference organized by the secure world foundation so they are very interested in space sustainability and that's where i met i met policy makers right so that it wasn't possible to write on in the conference talk to the people from the US state department but that connection this introduction and 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 meeting them and then allowed me 6 months later when i was in washington dc to get access to 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 that facility so there was a lot of that so basically uh, rubbing shoulders asking for introductions and then one one thing leads to another and again the idea was to have a broad spectrum of people so astronauts and rocket building companies nasa and the new companies that are building the new space stations for example and also trying to do it internationally and maybe I should have tried a little bit harder. We tried to get into China that wasn't possible. We filmed in in Australia a little bit in Europe and in, in America, but ideally, let's be honest, that might be a criticism here. Ideally, I would have more time to produce, maybe more time like a mini series and then go to India and go to maybe some something that's happening in Africa or somewhere else. And I think yeah, I had to obviously after 80 interviews stop. I, I ran out of money basically. <laughs> 80 is already quite a lot and i'm sure that you had uh, some really interesting conversations in in all of them if you have to you already talked about the groups of individuals what was your interest in talking to them in the in in the sense that are you listening to their vision and the way that they're working or the story that they're pitching about their companies or their non-profits or the government side what is the idea of interviewing them and then asking them a few things yeah so i i think there's no right or wrong answer by my, but my process is i chart it in three acts that's what we like to do as content makers first act in this case is the earth to space economy so it's the rockets and the astronauts going up so i want to talk to people about those topics and the second act is the space to earth economy which is the satellites that are beaming data back down right enabling whole new business cases lots of interesting stuff happening there it's not only data so earth observation but also services like starlink and things like that and the third act is then the space to space it's a bit more futuristic a little bit more further out these are the space stations these are the fuel depots where you can refuel or reorbit or deorbit satellites or even asteroid mining so that's like real science fiction territory and so that structure right then i know okay i want to talk to these guys i want to talk to this inspiring group of astronauts and by the way astronauts i was so impressed like i had one lady i think she had 7 degrees <laughs> one and one one of the other astronauts she's in the film just such an inspiring story she went with space for humanity another partner organization that that really helped us and she was literally working for a mcdonald's she was in mexico she was a mcdonald's worker and the night shifts and that's how she afforded her studies and then she went to nasa as an intern and got another internship and another and then now she leads i don't know like one one department there in nasa and got that really a great opportunity to fly and she now represents mexican yeah space industry or, or space ambitions which is just fantastic. fantastic. Along the way I meet these people who are really um just fantastic. And the other thing that also impresses me so that's the maybe the human side but I'm also impressed or interested in the business and the financial parts and when i talk to an investor who has invested in 100 companies or another investor who has maybe three four different unicorn exits already with his investments i'm getting interested i'm like okay so there it's more than just hypes there's real money to be made and there's real business cases behind this and just for curiosity sake you said the there were 80 interviews and in australia and in, in the us and so on can you 
talk briefly about the most impressive people that you talked to in this interview and where the locations were and how you were able to reach them and so on? Yeah, sure. The, the list is too long to go through, but let me just, from memory, maybe do, do three or four. We are, I'm in the industrial military complex in the heart of Washington. So Northrop Grumman is one of the old, really old space and military companies, but they are also, they were part of the Apollo mission. They, I think, literally built the moon lander. And now they have startups within their 90,000 years. They have a startup and space logistics, and they do refueling service or like in orbit services in geo. So they already do this. That's pretty impressive. We are in a mission control center in, in Paris where they, they are getting basically directing satellite out of the way of debris. So that, that was interesting and exclusive. In Australia, because you just mentioned it, we have a, basically a school class that basically has come, comes up with ideas. Oh, let's make a science experiment and send that science experience up to the International Space Station. So we, we have those little yogurt kits, we call them, because they send probiotic yogurt to the space station. And that connects to Merck, which is a large pharma company, and that uses serious science to develop drugs. And let me just do maybe one more. Oh, Ecuador. Ecuador is another crazy location. I'm standing in the middle of a pineapple field, and basically I'm showing that farmer there some satellite data and pointing, look, you could water more here and fertilizer less here and then you can increase your yield using satellite data it's fascinating i learned a lot and it's just such a fun industry so what is interesting to know is also playing a devil's advocate in this sense i come from the space industry myself right so i'm always obviously in the industry because i like it but if i have to take an opinion of somebody who is probably in non-space industry or even for example not really convinced about the space industry in one form or the other. Were there things that you noticed or you questioned in the process of talking to a lot of the people? Because at the end, I think sometimes there is really fiction or even reality that may come very much ahead of time. And what people are working on today may be become a reality 100 years from now, 50 years from now or so on. So were there any interesting things where you said that, look, this is good, but this is unsustainable, or you saw that people are just trying very hard to achieve? What was your feelings like talking to a lot of these people? Yeah. So I have two separate answers for that. Number one is the crypto and blockchain industry, where famously, you know, 90% of projects are scams or will never work or just uh, no point. It's all hype and not much <laughs> real thing behind it, right? And only a few projects, coin is, is substantial and very important for the world. But in space, to be honest, maybe it's the other way around. It's 90% of the projects are not only legit, but they're also very difficult. These are really like rocket scientists, right? And you have to make those satellites smaller and better and cheaper. It's real engineering. So I found it way less fluff or just talk and way more reality. And uh, maybe now my other answer is one of those things where I'm like, yeah, maybe I should put it in the film, but more as a as a joke and not for, for real. It's the asteroid mining guys. But then I went to their facility in Los Angeles and they have raised, I believe, $23 million. So there's clearly serious investors behind it who believe that mission. He walked me through the plan step by step. It will take many, maybe 10 years. But I think last week they launched their first kind of proof of concept mission where they take, I believe, titanium or platinum or something and do something in zero gravity to make sure, okay, this is what we do. And then step by step, they have this plan. So we don't know whether this is, will ever happen. And as a filmmaker, in my voiceovers, I make sure that, look, this is far out, but 
he has a real point because all the platinum in the world is maybe in Russia or in other places are hard to get to. Maybe it's not so crazy to think about asteroids and this guy's getting the investor money behind it. Good luck to him. One of the interesting things here is that the people that you've talked to obviously are all within this ecosystem, but they have their own interest groups, right? For example, a policymaker has a different sort of an interest versus a venture capitalist and versus somebody else at the end. Are there any ideas that really stood out to you that really struck you in the process saying that this is the either overwhelming or it is really interesting to hear based on the interest groups of each of these? A lot of the core narratives are relatively clear and uncontroversial, right? Cheaper launch and broader access for astronauts. So it's not only white billionaires <laughs> that go up, but it's more diverse. All these narratives are not, not really controversial. So I'm just trying to think of maybe one or two that are maybe a little bit more spicy. And two that come to mind is the China question, right? So it's similar to maybe the internet economy, the global internet economy, China is separate, right? And for geopolitical reasons, for many other reasons. And so we try to cover it. We have a, a really a world-leading expert talking about the Chinese space economy, but we were unable to actually go to China. So it's maybe not covered as in depth as I should have. So maybe that's one. And the other one that I've personally found interesting is this debate or the difference between Geo and Leo. And I, I came in saying, oh, every, all the action is in Leo and it makes so much sense. But then we had this one interview where somebody really um, deconstructed three or four or five different arguments saying, look, this is why Geo actually makes more sense, at least for our application. And uh, he explained it and we create this animation to hopefully make it visually interesting for our viewers to watch. So yeah, I hope that answers a little bit of your question. Yeah, absolutely. So from uh, there is a lot that is going on at this point of time today. For example, the day that we are recording is the day when SpaceX attempted the Starship launch, which was now partially successful in its tests, for example. It's, a, it's an interesting time to be around because there's a lot that is going on. But as you mentioned, I think we're in this phase where you know, some of these projects will survive and thrive and some of them will go away because either they are too early or too too non-commercial to stick around for the long run and so on. Out of all of them, you made these three different blocks of space to space to earth, the, these things. What was your film, sense of it as a filmmaker? Did you see that there is some part of it where you see that, oh, this is more sustainable? Obviously, you've done other films around internet and all of this cryptocurrencies and so on. So you probably have this thing that you can compare that with other areas now. So what was your feeling talking to these three different groups of groupings that you mentioned? Yeah, so I will say that it is important not to make a news, a news a three-minute news clip that talks about today's achievement of SpaceX because that piece of content is outdated next week, right? So we try to cover, even though we have to cover companies and people, but more about the principle, about the business models, about what they're trying to achieve rather than the specific company. One example is Virgin Orbit. So we talked talk to Virgin Orbit. I really like this because it's a different aspect of launch, right? So you launch horizontally under regular Airbus or Boeing, I, I don't remember, and launch your rocket from there. Brilliant idea. But unfortunately, that company now is insolvent or is, is being wound up. So 
it's one of the example where, okay, we, we did this interview, but it probably is not going to end up in the film. And we have to be the same with rocket companies, right? There's hundreds of them. So which one do we cover? So we decided to cover the, the second biggest rocket lab and out of New Zealand, because they're maybe the most mature. They've, I don't know, had 50 launches or something successful. So that one is not as risky. And then when we go out into the space to space economy, like the science fiction stuff, just say, look, it's going to take another five years. And one of those space stations are being built, by the way, and they have an interesting concept where they actually start from the ISS. So they have the first module on the ISS, then they tag on a second, and then they put their own power tower or electricity thing on that. And then they will separate from the ISS. So again, that sounds to me like, okay, doesn't that means it's maybe not billions of dollars that, that you need. Maybe it's more realistic, right? So and these people are serious. These guys have been background, serious tech companies or military background for decades and decades. I think it's realistic, um, those plans. And NASA wouldn't invest their grant money <laughs> in, in, into these projects if they were pure fiction. And also the other interesting bit that you mentioned is about your experience of filming in Ecuador. This is very interesting because often people who are using space-based technology for applications don't know perhaps directly that they are using it. I'll give you an example. You know, about 200,000 ATM machines in India are powered by VSAT uh, satellite communication links, for example. But an average person in an average village will not probably know that there's a satellite link that is then connecting them to the bank, to them, the ATM then working and giving them money. But in the case of some something like Starlink or some other applications where you have a, an antenna that you yourself in, install, you probably know that because you're communicating to something in the sky at the end. Was there a lot of that kind of feeling where if you knew, obviously, that there are some people who know about this, but the hidden part of the space industry of, always is that a lot of times the space application, the infrastructure behind it is forgotten because at the end, the consumer, the average consumer doesn't really care so much so long as they get the service yeah such a good and profound point I'm not sure i have a good direct answer but it reminds me of one story that we have in the film so it's a journalist who used or a group of journalists who used planet lab data and other satellite data to uncover like a big story they actually they won the pulitzer prize a couple of years ago for their investigative journalism work and she was very clear in the interview to say, look, it's not it's not that just the satellite data would have been conclusive. We needed sources on the ground to double check and triple check and fact check. And what's it called? Collaborate certain aspects of the story and the timelines in order to make it work. And I love that example because the blockchain isn't the answer to solve the world. And space isn't the, the one thing that will change, that will solve climate change. But it's one important aspect, right? So when you're in an industry, people just, have big claims but of course it's there's many pieces that have to come together yeah absolutely right from a standpoint of the for the audience right so who are you making this film for is it for the community that is watching every other netflix show or every other youtube series or so on but who do you think are you making this film for yeah so my strategy is to make a film that's not dumbed down, so it's pretty sophisticated. That means even you, who are an absolute expert and you've done 100 interviews on this podcast alone, you worked in the industry, even you will find every two, three minutes in the film, oh, I didn't know this. Oh, I've never been to this location. Oh, wow, this guy or this lady is in the film. Um, 
or some inside jokes or some like obscure little fact that even you didn't know. I'm making the film basically for the community, for the space community, with the hope that then it can spread further. Because if you really think, wow, okay, this covers new space uh, and fairly, and it's make, making fun of some people, but also is very serious and in-depth research, then you will share with your family and friends who might not listen to your podcast or read a book, but maybe a 90-minute or 60-minute documentary that covers so much in an entertaining way. This is something that you will then recommend. So the, the, that's the strategy. So we have our core, very sophisticated insider audience and hopefully then it will spread out to a bit more general audience and with cryptopia that's exactly how we did it as well so it was made for the crypto community they loved it and they shared it with everyone because in that case they have vested interest they want to talk about their crypto thing and this film made people understand what the blockchain is for example so what can you tell us about the documentary itself how long is it what how does it run through just as a two or three minute if you had to describe the trailer of it yeah, and please let me share the t trailer with your listeners because I'm obviously very excited to actually show the thing rather than talk about it. And so let's make sure they can click on it. The format is it's a feature documentary, which is usually about 90 minutes, right? And the reason why I'm now going public with it is because I'm about 90% done with the work. So we have done all the interviews, traveled around the world and all that. But now I'm out of money to finish the film. Finishing the film means one or two more production days. And that's recording myself being like the moderator and host. It, it means the music, the color grading, the post-production, a little bit of editing, like all these kind of not so sexy things uh, we still need to do. And that's why we decided to do a crowdfunding campaign and uh, yeah, to basically finish it and bring it to the people. And I think later on this year, so let's say September, October, November, I want to take the film to the communities in the big space cities. So Berlin is one of our stops, hopefully, Paris, London, and of course, many American stops. Um, and then launch it on one of the streaming services. And I have good relationships with big broadcasters and big platforms. Yeah, good luck with that. I'm happy to always insert this the link so that people can catch catch the trailer. And also, if you have the links to the events in various locations, I, I'm happy to update them on the show notes so that people can catch that if they're listening to this episode in the future dates as well. One of the thing aspects of all of this is there are there or there is new space or all of this exploration being trickled down to newer countries, which is very exciting for me. It could be countries like South Korea or Japan or India or Australia or many new countries that are trying to do space as such. You mentioned about Fortitude now. Is there a next set of ideas that you have having done already this documentary now? And is there is there something that you want to do or continue doing in this sector? Or I would love to. I would love to. Um... And we started this interview by saying, look, I didn't even cover, I tried to cover China, but we don't even cover India as one example of a very important nation in this whole ecosystem. And you could always do more. And I think this topic deserves maybe a mini series, maybe it's four times one hour or six times half an hour, something like that. And as I mentioned earlier, we ran out of money. We can't even finish the 90 minutes at the moment, but I think you're hundred percent right. I think that's, that would be the next step. And hopefully we can. We wish you luck with respect to that. I think it definitely is an interesting topic of, obviously I am biased by being within the community to a large extent, but I still remember actually one of the most profound documentaries that I've seen which is actually a mini series is the one from BBC, I think, where they had this, uh, the Cold War and the race to space. I think it was called the race to space itself. I don't know if you've actually watched it, but it was 
one of the most profound things I watched actually as a young person. It must be now pretty old to a large extent, but that's, I think, a series that has probably impacted a lot of people looking at the history, the politics of it, of the time, the interest in the technology, the stories behind conflict, so many things that come together with that. Yeah, can I say something there? So first of all, yeah, I'm also a huge Apollo fan and I read many books about it. And unfortunately, in, in this film, obviously, we only covered for a minute or two that, that historic vignette. But what you say there is very important because a film, whether it's fiction, factual, like a documentary, they, they can really have a profound impact and they can reach very far and for a very long time. So my last film, when I did a little bit of a world tour, it was stopped by COVID, but in the few cities I took it to, people approached me and said, look, Thorsten, I actually changed my career based on seeing your film. Or they changed maybe their investment portfolio, or they tell their kid to go study engineering after they watch Fortitude. So I do think this is actually very important also for the industry. And then just to give you an idea, my last film um, was on Al Jazeera, I think, five times, four or five times now, English and Arabic channel, which is uh, literally the largest TV channels in the Middle East, Africa, and some of the Asian territories as well. And you reach audience that otherwise would never, they would never tune into a SpaceX live rocket launch thing or uh, watch a, a no, space doc documentary just like that. You just have to bring it to the people. So that's why I think that um, hopefully some people listening to this will support our Kickstarter again, it's like really cool perks, but maybe we can build on Fortitude and then do something even bigger in the future. That's so awesome. where can people catch Fortitude when? Yes, everything happens on fortitudemovie.com. That's where, so right now it's a the Kickstarter campaign going until the 15th of May, where people can just support for a few dollars or they can pay a little bit more dollars and then they can send their dogs or their own DNA to the moon. And I'm happy to explain that. And so it's just fantastic an idea we came up with. And later on, of course, we'll have all the... Um, the tour dates, right? So space conferences, maybe some other big events in cinemas. And then towards the end of the year, we will definitely do a deal with one or more of the streaming services. Yeah, that, that'll be end of the year, I believe. So as a filmmaker who's put together all of this, you briefly mentioned it, obviously, about the reach that it can have or the impact that it can have. What is the best outcome that you're looking for in terms of impact or in terms of how you would want to have your audience perceive this work? Yeah, I would people, I would like people to get excited about space beyond SpaceX, because again, that people understand and know and hate the guy, right, Elon? <laughs> There's so many thousands and thousands of jobs in hundreds of companies. And we try to, yeah, almost have that kind of in industry message. And we also have that inspiration bit where we basically talk to some of the real important VIPs in the, in, in the industry. And they talk how they got inspired by reading science fiction or by you know, looking at the stars as a kid or uh, going to Kennedy Space Center or something like that. And uh, yeah, I hope the film can be like that for the industry of new space as well. And then for myself as a filmmaker, obviously this is, this needs to make money, but also it needs to build my reputation. Hopefully it will be considered, oh, this guy did a good job, even though he's not an insider in space, he really covered it fairly and well. And we look forward to his next film, whether it's space or something else. So that'll be my personal goal behind it as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I wish you luck in getting this up and running. And looks like it's it's the last mile that you're now going to be running, which is the most important bit when it comes to all of this. I would personally, uh, obviously, I'd love to follow your journey from here on in. I would love to watch the documentary whenever it's out. I will check out your the website that you mentioned, fort, fortitudemovie.com, so that I get to follow the developments and hopefully 
when you are here in Berlin, I can probably meet you in person at some point of time. Absolutely. Let's do a big event in a nice cinema there in Berlin. I know the city very well. Thank you so much. This has been fun. Great interview. And yes, of course, we'll stay in touch. And people, I believe in the next couple of weeks, people will hear and see 42 quite a bit because uh, these people in the film, including Neil deGrasse Tyson, by the way, one of the best science communicators of our generation, uh, he who's in the film. These people will hopefully all share the trailer and share some posters or images. So you will see us around in the next weeks and months. Absolutely. Good luck to you, Torsten, and look forward to seeing you in person sometime. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening in to this episode of the New Space India podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share this episode with anyone you believe will enjoy listening to it. You'll be able to find the New Space India podcast in any of the podcasting platforms that you may be using, including Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and others. Do subscribe to the podcast in case you want to receive new episodes automatically. I'm grateful if you're able to leave a rating for the podcast, which will help others discover it. Thank you for listening in again, and the next episode will be out in the next two weeks as usual.